Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, and we tell stories about everything here on this show, and some of our favorite stories are about the men and women who serve our nation in uniform. Throughout its nearly 24-year career, the Lockheed SR-71 Blackbird spy plane remained the world's fastest and highest flying operational aircraft. From 80,000 feet, it could survey 100,000 square miles of Earth's surface in a mere hour. SR-71 pilot Brian Shule recalls in his book, Sled Driver, Flying the World's Fastest Jet. There were a lot of things we couldn't do in an SR-71, 
but we were the fastest guys on the block and loved reminding our fellow aviators of this fact. Here's Major Shule with his legendary story known today as the L.A. Speed Check. It's called the L.A. Speed Story. And I, it was just a story about one day it was really cool being, being SR-71 pilot. Walter and I were doing a training mission around the United States where you just were building up hours and time. And we take off out of Beale, hit a tanker in Idaho, rip on up to uh, Montana, zip across Denver, hang a right turn in Albuquerque, out over Los Angeles, up to Seattle, back into Sacramento, two hours, 21 minutes. And you just do that for, and then you do it backwards, and you hit a tanker, too. It was just, just to gain crew coordination, get, build your hours. We're on our last training mission. We're over Tucson. I can see downtown LA from Tucson. We're at 89,000 feet. I can see the whole western United States bathed in a warm October fall glow. I can see the chain of Rocky Mountains from Canada to New Mexico. I can, I can just see the most beautiful picture laid at my feet in the air as smooth as glass. Not a gauge moving in the cockpit. It was perfect. Now I'm thinking, we bad. <laughs> and I feel sorry for Walter because he has to monitor five radios in the back seat. So I flipped the switch up just to listen. and. LA Center is controlling, they control all, when you fly Southwest Air, the guy's controlling everybody. But we're above controlled airspace. So they have us on their scope, but they're not talking to us. Now there's controllers all over the country, Jacksonville Center, Chicago Center, Seattle Center, you know. It's the same guy. They all talk the same. And it's really cool the way they talk, because they make you feel important as a pilot. They don't just say, yeah, okay, here's your thing. They make you feel really cool. So sure enough, this was pre-GPS day. Some Cessna guy has to know his ground speed. Uh, LA Center Cessna November Tango Alpha, you got a ground speed readout for us? Now Center would like to say, who cares, get off free. <laughs> but no, he'll talk to him like he's John Glenn. Cessna November Alpha, we show you 90 knots, nine zero knots on the ground. And they do that sing-song, but that's how they talk. And it makes you feel kind of cool. Right after that, a twin bonanza came up to pimp the guy for speed, I guess. And, LA Center, Twin Beach, uh, whatever. You got a ground speed readout for us? And Center likes it. God, it's Friday. Why me? God, please, just get off. But he's going to talk to him like he's Air Force One. Twin Beach, shall we show you 121, two, zero knots on the ground. And right after that, a Navy F-18 out of Lemoore popped up on frequency. And you knew it was a Navy guy because he talked really slick on the radio. <laughs> Center Dusty 5-2 speed check. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Dusty 5-2 has a ground speed indicator and a million dollar F-18 cockpit. It's right there in the heads up display. Why is he calling Center to broadcast his speed? <laughs> I get it. We are just the meanest, baddest, fastest military jet in the valley today. We're taking our little Hornet jet over Mount Whitney and ripping across Death Valley. We want everyone from Fresno to the coast to know what real speed is. And you can almost hear a little, a little glee in the controller's voice like, we have put an end to this. <laughs> Dusty 5-2, we show you 620, 6-2, knots across the ground. And it was that across the ground. See that little knife like, I hope nobody else has the nerve to get on frequency now. And there wasn't an airliner from Seattle to San Diego that wanted to be next on freak. It's sort of an etiquette thing amongst flyers. And a 12-year-old was reaching for the mic button. <laughs> and I thought, oh, no, wait, Walter's in charge of the radios. I flew single seat all those years, but I'm in the family model now. And I, I want it. no, it's the Navy that must die. It must die now. And I, 
I thought, no, but if I do, I, I'll upset Walter and I want us to be a good crew. And I, at that moment, I heard a click of the mic button in the back seat. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Walter and I became a crew at that moment. In his best innocent voice, LA Center, Aspen 3-0. Have you got a ground speed readout for us? <laughs> you could almost hear a collective gasp on Freak, like all oh, the poor fools didn't hear the previous transmissions. Oh, they, they got crushed like a grape. It's, it's just a pilot thing. But Center had to give you that same voice. Aspen 3-0, we show you 1,992 knots. <laughs> across the ground. When I knew I was going to like Walter a lot is when he came back and said, Senator, we're showing a little closer to 2,000. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we did not hear another transmission on that frequency all the way to the coast. The king of speed lived, the navy had been flamed, and a crew had been formed. For just a moment, it was absolutely fun being the fastest guys on the block. And you've been listening to Major Brian Shule his story of the SR-71 Blackbird doing a little speed check to show off just a little bit. By the way, a little about Shul. He flew 212 combat missions and was shot down near the end of the Vietnam War. Unable to eject, he was forced to ride the plane into the jungle. He was rescued by Army Special Forces and was so badly burned that he was given next to no chance to live. Brian spent a full year in the military hospital where he underwent 15 medical procedures and was told he would never fly again. Brian miraculously returned to full flight status, flying the A-7, then the A-10, and went on to be an instructor at the Air Force's Top Gun School. By the way, these are real-life people, folks. Real-life people. His career culminated in flying the SR-71 Blackbird. Brian was the pilot who provided President Ronald Reagan with detailed photos of the Libyan terrorist camps in 1986. Major Brian Schulz, SR-71 Blackbird Story, the L.A. Speed Check, here on Our American Story. Folks, if you love the great American stories we tell and love America like we do, we're asking you to become a part of the Our American Stories family. If you agree that America is a good and great country, please make a donation. A monthly gift of $17.76 is fast becoming a favorite option for supporters. Go to OurAmericanStories.com now and go to the Donate button and help us keep the great American stories coming. That's OurAmericanStories.com. And we're back with Our American Stories. Up next, a story from Tom Morton. Tom served in the U.S. Marines until 2014, and after boot camp was sent to Hawaii before shipping out to Afghanistan. It was there he would meet his mentor, his squad leader. Here's Tom to tell the rest of the story. What was a lot different about my experience than most was my squad leader. He had been on three deployments to Iraq and actually extended to go on this deployment to Afghanistan with us. And he was one of those people that was just down to his bones. He was a warrior. Like in past lives, that dude was 
a champion gladiator in Roman Colosseums. It was an incredible kind of innate type of thing, like not just like a Mike Tyson capability to knock anybody out because you've got that much fury in you. It was, it was like somebody that just, you tell them the rules of chess once and then they take down Deep Blue. He was just naturally a tactician, could make up extensions to standing tactics that would actually replace standing tactics. And even won a, uh, a Navy Marine Corps Achievement Medal in one of our training ops for the most creative and effective leadership that they'd seen on one of the ranges that every unit in the Marine Corps has to go through before they deploy. He was just a very different type of person, very different warrior, and his mindset was truly about being warriors. You know, like if you if you messed up or something, yeah, you might get punched in the face, but there wouldn't be any paperwork and there wouldn't be any grudges. You would dust yourself off, recognize that you just made a big mistake and you don't want to get punched like that again, and you move forward. And on top of that, Reitzman had been through, his first deployment was to Haditha in Iraq in 2006, and that was an extremely bloody battle. Just a lot of Marines were killed. And as a first deployment boot, within I think his first month or two in country, he was a squad leader because his team leader got killed he assumed the team, like leadership of the team, because he just naturally knew what to do. He was just that type of natural leader. But because he had seen so much death at the at the hands of really just not being prepared, you know, like some some units were not ready for the kind of house to house warfare that Haditha had to offer, because it was still fairly new. Like we hadn't fought that way very many times, at least not in a very long time. So he had an extremely strong emphasis on our training as, uh, as room-clearing masters. So there was one of the other uh, condemned barracks that this one was actually like barracks rooms and stuff that we snuck away into. I don't remember exactly how, but we found our way in. And we spent probably two straight weeks in there just every day going back and you know using broomsticks as fake guns because we couldn't check them out of the armory for pro like personal one-on-one -on -one training and we spent every day clearing rooms like other squad leaders might have been giving their guys classes and stuff and giving them some kind of information but Reitzman was drilling like muscle memory that would save us into us just non-stop he trained us to be the beast squad Early on, he told us during PT one day, like, we may not be the smartest squad, but by God, we're going to be the strongest. And throughout training, we proved ourselves repeatedly that we were, we were the strongest, but we were also one of the smartest too. And so when we got to Afghanistan, you know, we were there to do the dirtiest missions. That's what we were there for, and that's what we had trained to do, because, you know, just like my mentality of, like, why join the Marines if I'm not going to join to fight... Reitzman's mentality was, why go to war if we're not going to go be the best and fight the hardest? And all of us loved it. You know, it was our, he was our Captain Ahab that we were ready to follow into hell. So, in May of 2010, 
we deployed to Helmand, Afghanistan. Uh, it's in the southern area of Afghanistan, right near the Pakistani border. It's a very rural area, and it's very uh, it's very open and desert-like in some areas. It's it's a very interesting-looking uh, kind of geography. And I remember when we first got to one of the bigger bases and stepped off of the cargo plane. I just remember the shock of stepping out into the Afghan air. Like, it's so dry and dusty, but it was so hot. And then we went and got on this little bus thing in groups of, like, eight or ten or however many it could hold, you know, with our full packs in our laps and body armor on, weapons strapped across us and everything. And I was sitting in this tiny little seat, squashed in next to another Marine, and the driver cuts on the bus, and there's no AC, so we're just cooking. And the song that comes on is uh, I Love College by Asher Roth. You know, if anybody hasn't heard it, the whole song is about, like, partying and just having fun and screwing around in college. And I just remember sitting there thinking, like, it is May of 2010. Had I stayed in school and, like, followed a four-year program, I would be graduating sometime this month. But instead, this is where I'm at, listening to Asher Roth in Afghanistan. Anyway, so, you know, we spent a week or two at the bigger base until they had flights and stuff lined up for us to be able to get to our area of operations. When we finally got there, you know, we landed a bigger base near the one that we were going to live on, and we had to patrol to our base. I remember walking down the street, just looking around, and, like, all the buildings are made out of mud, and just thinking, like, it looked like biblical times, but with tractors, Toyota Corollas, and cell phones added in. And it was just so mind-blowing to look around, and you know, I'm sure it was pretty easy to tell that I was new because I'm walking around with my mouth open, staring at everything, but you know, also my uniform is nice and clean and stuff. And I remember walking down the road, and this little Afghan kid walks up to me and is like, Hey, you new Marine? I'm like, uh, what? No. He's like, nah, you new. And I was just like, how do you, how do you know that I'm new? And he like f- grabs my sleeve and rubs it between his fingers and kind of then points at the guy next to me and he's filthy. And he's like, nice, clean. And I was like, all right, so uh, where'd you learn English? And he just immediately pretends that he's holding a, uh, a radio and says, COG, COG, this post three, I need an MRE. Obviously just copying what he had heard Marines saying on post over and over. And these kids would just sit at the base of our guys' posts and listen to them talk to each other and over the radio and pick up English from context, which is an incredible feat if you think about it, especially for a little seven, eight-year-old kid. So, you know, that was a really mind-blowing kind of thing, just walking in. But, yeah, that whole hike, I remember being tense as I could be, but really one of the most impactful things that happened on that deployment and what's ever happened to me was uh, Reisman's death. And you've been listening to Tom Morton tell his story about his mentor and the relationship between them, what he learned from him, and by the way, his mentor, three deployments in Iraq, down to his bones in his DNA. He was a gladiator. It was just an innate thing. By the way, Haditha, one of his assignments, his mentor's assignments in Iraq, was a really brutal first deployment. His leader had been killed, and he ended up just leading his unit, because that's what he did. 
And by the way, Room Clearing Masters is what he was trying to create, his mentor in Iraq. And if anybody knows anything about war, this was not Vietnam, it was urban warfare, and a whole new skill set was necessary. When we come back, more of the story, we pick up where we last left off in Afghanistan. Tom Morton tells the story of his mentor here on Our American Story. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, 
Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. And we're back with Our American Stories and the story of Tom Morton. When we last left off, Tom had been deployed to the Helmand province of Afghanistan, and things were about to take a nasty turn. Let's continue with the story. Our platoon was given an order that we were going to send a squad out across the Helmand River to investigate cave systems in the mountains on the other side. Reitzman immediately volunteered us for it, and we loaded down really, really heavy because we were expecting to go into the caves and have a serious fight on our hands. So we had rockets, and everybody had a few extra grenades and a lot of extra ammo. And we left early morning and hiked way out towards the river, and uh, we uh, finally got to the point where we kind of had to cross. And... uh, I remember Reitzman openly saying, like, uh, you know, even though your point man usually does anything before anyone else, like, he's the point man, he walks out point. And um, Reitzman told our point man to stay where he was, and he said, like, if anybody's going to drown, it's going to be me. So he went into the river, and he actually made it all the way across. Like, it was, it was up to about chest height but in a pretty fast-moving river. But anyway, once he made it most of the way across, he told us to start crossing. And, like, right downriver from me, our interpreter started crossing, and one of our Afghan policemen. And as they were crossing, they uh, lost their footing. And even though Reitzman knew that me and Shaw, our point man, were both strong swimmers, he wasn't going to tell either of us to risk ourselves and go try and grab the interpreter and the, the Afghan policeman. So he came back into the water from safety and went after them and pretty quickly lost his footing as well. So the rest of us all went in after Reitzman and I was about six feet away from him when he went under. I wasn't able to find him. He came back up one more time after that and then went back under and he wasn't found for three more days. And the, uh, the Afghan policeman that he had gone after drowned as well. And I didn't realize until after that uh, he was drowning when I swam past him because at the time I was focused on getting a rightsman and our Afghan police would go swimming all the time in the, the river out in front of our, our base. But uh, he drowned as well, right next to me. 
The problem then was, what do we do? So they sent two helicopters to come and pick us up, and they were supposed to, uh, you know, one covers the other while one drops down, picks up half the squad, and moves us to the opposite side of the river, and then, you know, comes back for the rest of us. I was in the second group, and when they landed to come pick us up, they, uh, the helicopter broke down, and they couldn't get it back off the ground. They decided to leave. Like, the other helicopter dropped and picked up the, the chopper crew from the one that was dead, but they left us there. So then we were down to six of us on one side of the river, not only, like, alone, dehydrated, and just lost our squad leader, but... We were also going to be expected to defend a downed helicopter that the enemy would absolutely love to take over. That was a daunting moment. And I remember there was a moment where the eye in the sky, like the little camera on a giant pole that can see a couple of miles out, um, it's called Scan Eagle. They came over the radio and said that Scan Eagle had seen a platoon-sized element moving towards us on our side of the river, and we needed to prepare for a fight. So Staff Sergeant Curtis came around and went man to man because, you know, we were all spread out, like holding a perimeter as best we could and went to each of us. And I remember what he told me was uh, there's a platoon size element coming towards us. If you got any grenades, have them out and ready. Have your ammo out and handy. Die like a man. And that's so much to internalize as a 21 year old kid that just watched your mentor die. (laughs) But I also remember just thinking, all right, fine. They want to do this, I'm ready. Let's do this. And I just remember completely resigning myself to like, okay, I'm going to die, but I'm going to die in a pile of brass. And then about an hour later, (laughs) we see something on the hilltop, and we're like, wow, they're openly exposing themselves. That's dumb. And it turns out that the platoon-sized element that they had told us was coming was actually a herd of sheep. And in a crazy way, that was kind of disappointing Like, I had completely accepted that I was about to die, and it was kind of taken away all of a sudden. They helicoptered out another, like, a whole platoon to take over our positions and start searching. But, you know, from running out of water for huge chunks of time, we had resorted to drinking the Hellman River, and it's incredibly infectious. So by the time we made it an hour or so into the hike home, we were essentially combat ineffective at that point. Like we were so undermanned and just beat up that we weren't capable of defending ourselves if we got attacked. So we stayed, stayed put waiting on another squad to be able to come to us with food and water and Basically, we were just going to take over the the cornfield that we were in. And I remember Staff Sergeant Curtis told me to go and set up on the road. And I jumped into this ditch trying to lay on my belly on one side to to put my gun on the road and actually be ready to fight. But when I dropped in, my legs caved caved out from under me and I just dropped to my back. Couldn't bring myself to stand back up and actually lean forward. So I just kind of laid on my back looking around in case I needed to stand up and fight. And this old man came out from the compound that I was sitting in front of. And I remember him standing and looking at me for a good 10, 15 seconds before he said anything. And I could tell, like, he didn't see a foreign warrior coming into his land or anything. Like, he saw 
a 21 year old kid dying in his lawn and so he had he asked me like like do I, do you want water and I said yes like whoa which is yes and so he brought me a big like mixing bowl of water from his well and I probably spilled mo- like three quarters of it on myself trying to drink it just because I was so f- so thirsty I just poured it down my throat and he asked me if I wanted more and I said yes and he got me three bowls of water and then I'm, I'm pretty sure he went and did the same thing for the other guys elsewhere on his on his property but he told us that we could stay and that we could use a building on his property if we needed it and I found out later on that what he actually enacted there was a Muslim tradition called Loke Warkawal, which basically means once an elder has ac- accepted you into their home by like rule of honor, no one can remove you until the elder says that they can or that you are no longer their guest. And so taking a risk with his entire family, his land, his life, that man said that we were protected on his property until we were capable of leaving. Then we got to go and patrol all the way home after that day. But uh, that day was by far the worst day of my life. And you've been listening to Tom Morton tell the story of his time served in Afghanistan and also of the harrowing scene where he watches his mentor die trying to save the life of one of the de facto members of his squad. And that's an Afghani interpreter. When we come back, more of this remarkable storytelling, a story about war, a story about the U.S. Marine Corps, about brotherhood and mentorship. The story of Tom Morton's time in Afghanistan here on Our American Story. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. 
When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. We're back with Our American Stories and the story of Tom Morton. When we last left off, Tom had just experienced the worst day of his life. He lost his mentor and an Afghani police officer to drowning in the Helmand River and ended up exhausted and unable to move properly due to dehydration on the lawn of an Afghani civilian who would render him aid. Let's continue with the story. Something that's always stood out to me about that day, that elder, you know, treating me like a human being and not looking at it as, whatever, screw him. He's he's here to do whatever propaganda that he might have been fed. Like, his humanity trumping danger to him, his family, you know, going against potentially his religious practices or whatever by letting Christians or non-believers into his property. So many vets come home just full of hate. You know, you want to place it somewhere. You want to be angry at someone for for losing your friends, for for losing time, for having you know physical ailments and nightmares and stuff. You need you need a scapegoat. You want someone to put it on. And unfortunately, a lot of times that gets put on the Islamic community as a whole by a lot of veterans. But I've just never been able to do that because I've seen that doesn't matter what religion you are, what race you are, there's good people in every culture too. And like I said, as horrible as that day was, that was a very profound experience and lesson for me. Like the day that Reitzman died in the river was by far my wor- the worst day of my life. But after that, what I tried to take from it was 
something I would tell my junior Marines that I was training on the following two deployments was life in the Marine Corps is about setting bars. You know, you have you have a day in boot camp where you get IT'd for an hour and a half straight, and that's the worst day of your life. Then you go to school of infantry and you go on a 15K that's actually 24K, and that's the worst day of your life. And then you come to the fleet and you spend 24 straight hours scrubbing with Clorox, and that's the worst day of your life. But eventually that day will be set so horribly that nothing can bother you anymore. And as unfortunate as it is, one of the most beneficial things I've been able to glean from the the horrible day of losing my mentor was the fact that I survived. I can survive something that extreme. And even though it, it was a very hard thing to deal with, I did make it through. So if I can survive something like that, if I can still be standing and still have some of my brain together some days, what can the civilian world throw at me that I can't deal with? You know, that's, that's what I try to keep in mind anytime I face some kind of a hardship or whatever. Like, I've been through so much worse than this. I can deal with it. And, you know, the part of that mental toughness is some of it was Reitzman, some of it was the Marine Corps as a whole just teaching me, like, you know, sometimes the situation sucks. There's nothing you can do but embrace the suck and push on. I actually left the service in uh, 2014, and um, I enrolled in school and tried to kind of, you know, just figure things out from there, but it took me a while to kind of get my bearings and went through a few different jobs and been through a lot of different uh, professions over the years, and I moved around a lot. Like, I moved from Denver back to Nashville, where I'm from, then to Savannah, Georgia, then back to Denver. I think a big big thing that was kind of a problem for me is it took me a really long time to let go of the Marine Corps and like the guilt of feeling like I can do more I need to make up for something I need to I need to go back and you know I don't know the feelings of survivor's guilt just feeling like I you know I should have died that day with Reitzman so I need to go back and die with honor so that I can do him right you know that that was really nagging at me for a really long time because I never really I didn't get out in my mind for a very long time like when I got out I I sought out a motorcycle organization that they're all about like you know you have to be a combat veteran to get in so I rode with them for a long time and I just resigned my patch about six months ago when I realized that I just traded one uniform for another like I never let go of any of those things that had happened because I was still reliving it every day because I was acting as though I was still part of it you know I still thought about it as though like I you know I want to stay in shape in case I get a chance to go back like but not thinking about it from the perspective of I need to stay in shape so that I don't keel over and die in my 40s and it took a long time for me to finally realize that I had been framing things in a, a negative way for me where I was really just leaning into my my survivor's guilt issues and everything instead of trying to grow from them and move forward. But um, I finally kind of had that aha moment after a motorcycle accident and uh, yeah, nearly dying will make you think about stuff. And um, I benefited a lot from spending time with other veterans to be able to kind of learn from them about how to get through things and stuff. But I also think that the most beneficial part of 
the recovery from combat and stuff has been finding my own way, you know, like finding something that I really enjoy doing creatively that I want to expand on. And for me, that's been, uh, I started out doing uh, carpentry. I started apprenticing under one of my sister's friends that he ended up becoming my best friend. He taught me everything I could ever want to know about building decks, fences, tree houses and stuff. But he also taught me so much more about just oddball little tricks and stuff that things that took him 20 years of being a carpenter to figure out that, you know, I got to leap straight into, you know, he got, he had to spend years just doing, you know, the same framing wall over and over every day. But, um, you know, I got to get to the fun stuff with him and I think spending every day with him and realizing that a combat mindset does not have a very applicable place in the civilian world, you know, like you, you really are never going to be facing the same uh, stressors that you are in combat. So the dark sense of humor and the, the crassness and the vulgar language and stuff is just, they're attributes that fit very well in, in a life or death kind of environment. They really don't in most others. And um, that can feel kind of emptying. But uh, my friend Ben is the one that taught me that like there are other places that that can fit in. You know, there are other things for me and there is stuff that I can I can do and feel passionate about and like you know I, I really genuinely enjoy building stuff like it it's enormously gratifying to be able to leave for from a work a day of work and you know even if you're not done just looking back like hey this morning there was nothing now there's the framework for a deck it's very very fulfilling and it's a very gratifying puzzle to work out you know every job is different every everything needs a little thought and a little caution and I think that's helped me calm down enormously. And unfortunately, he uh, he passed away about a month ago. So that's been really hard for me. But overall, you know, like learning to be creative and working with my hands has been a huge therapeutic tool for me. Because just learning carpentry got me confident enough with tools to start doing stuff like working on my own bike and, you know, being confident enough to, to realize like, well, if I take it apart and I can't figure it out, all I have to do is just retrace my steps and put it back together. Worst that can happen is don't work right. And then I try again. And that led me into working on motorcycles or my motorcycles. And I'm actually working towards eventually I want to own my own custom motorcycle shop and build custom bikes, bikes for people that need special accommodations. Like I'd, I'd love to build like, you know, a specially outfitted bike for a veteran that lost their legs or something so that they can still ride. I just think that'd be something that would be really gratifying to, to present it to the veteran, but also it'd be really, I, I'm, I would be excited about the challenge of making a bike work without two of your limbs involved. Cause they kind of need all four on a standard setup. You know, that's my, my long-term dream because it really has brought me so much peace. Just playing some, you know, calm, like, melodic music in the garage and just sit there and wrench and work out a giant puzzle all day like even if it means throwing a wrench or two throughout the day like it's still so awesome to be able to have something at the end that is like wow i did that and a great job as always by monty on the production of that piece and the storytelling and a special thanks to tom morton who shared stories about not one but in the end two mentors because he had not just 
Sergeant Joe Reitzman to thank for so much. Sergeant Reitzman was his mentor and the man he watched drown in the Hellman River. But also Ben, his mentor who taught him about peace in civilian life. And, well, just the peace that can come from being a great craftsman and putting things together. First, as a carpenter's apprentice, and now ultimately as a mechanic on motorcycles, hoping to create a motorcycle that can do some good for former vets. The story of Tom Morton, here on Our American Stories. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.